time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, welcome back, or I should say welcome back to me because uh, it's been about a two-week break that I've had from the Vintage Truth Podcast and uh, for good reason, and uh, get into that in just a second, but I've really missed making these podcasts and uh, being with you guys and talking about the things that really matter. And this is podcast number 99. I can't believe that. I've done 99 of these podcasts. And so uh, obviously the next one's 100. And uh, that'll be um, that'll be on Monday. So looking forward to that one. But um, it's good to be back. And we've got a lot of great things planned. And oh my, so many things are happening. I've been traveling all over, uh, doing prophecy conferences and speaking at churches and speaking at schools and equipping dads and, and churches and just Christians from really all over the world. Uh, it's been an amazing journey. But um, a couple of weeks ago, we had some sad news in our family when uh, we discovered that my dad had, had died. He, uh, he was 91 years old, and uh, he passed away peacefully uh, in a veteran's home. My brother was at his side uh, when it happened. We knew he was, he was going downhill, and so it wasn't totally unexpected. But as you might imagine, you know, death is never something that's pleasant or, or welcomed. However, I will say that um, knowing that my dad had called upon the name of the Lord uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, I have every confidence that he is with Jesus in heaven, uh, with my mom, but uh, more importantly, with Jesus. And uh, he's got a, you know, brand, he's going get to a, get a brand new body one day, but he's been made new already. And uh, so he's enjoying that in heaven. But, you know, uh, just that this whole two-week period and, and traveling to, to my hometown, the East Coast, and doing the funeral and seeing family, it was a <clears throat> obviously very exhausting and an emotional experience. But um, but you know what? It, it it caused me to kind of pause and, and think about some things, and as uh, as I do every time that I've done a funeral, uh, because death teaches us some very important lessons about life. Uh, it's very healthy to view the end of our lives so that we can look backwards and go, okay, what will I want to have accomplished or what will I, who will I want to have been? You know, who do I want to become in my life? It's kind of like that old, um, that old pizza commercial, you know, what do you want on your tombstone? Well, it's true. What do you want on your tombstone? Because um, your life, you only get one life and you get one chance to live it and you're gone. And, you know, when someone passes, uh, we are reminded of the fact that life is short. It may seem like a long time, but the grand scheme of things, it's just just a dot, if that, on eternity. Someone has artistically said that, you know, you have your birth date and you have your death date and there's that dash in between, you know, born you know, whatever, May 14, 19, whatever, died. And there's that dash in the middle. It's what you do with that dash. That's really the most important thing. You know, Psalm 90, verse 10, I believe, the psalmist said, Lord, teach me to number my days so that I can present to you a heart of wisdom. In other words, teach me to see that, that there is a number, a finite number, that has been given to me where I walk on this earth or I breathe this air or I see these people or I go to this school or have this job or 
live in this house or have these relationships. There's a limited, finite number. And one day, that number's up. And the Bible says that God has appointed a number of days for every person. And you won't live one second past that appointed time. But thankfully, you won't die until that appointed time either. Nothing's going to take that from you. But just, you know, in thinking about my dad's passing and, and in preaching the funeral, you know, I I reminded the folks that had gathered there today, the lovely people that had come to pay their respects, that funerals are a time to mourn, they're a time to grieve because, you know, you suffer loss at a time like that, but it's it's also a time for us because funerals really aren't for those who are gone, it's for those who are left behind. Funerals are not for the dead, they're for the living. And it's a time for us to think about life, to think about death. Even had some people come up to me afterwards and said, you know, you really made me think about some things. Good. Made me think about things too. It's a great reminder. It's a horrible time to experience, but it's still a great reminder. Times like those are, are, are God's way of reminding us that our lives, as the Bible said, are, are, are like a vapor. They're like the morning dew that's burned off by the sun. It, it passes. It's a serious and sober reminder that one day we will pass from this life into the next. And that's not a morbid thought. That's just a gut check reality thought. That's just something that we all need to remind ourselves of. But here's the good thing. According to the Bible, death is not the end, especially for those who know Christ. I mean, death is not the end for anyone. I mean, you just change location is all you do when you die. You go from this sphere, from this realm to the next. And there's only two places that you go. There's heaven and there's hell. There's not a waiting room for either. You go straight there, according to Scripture. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for a man once to die. He didn't die many times, go visit heaven, come back, on vacation there, lay on the beach there, come back. No. It is appointed for man once to die, and after that comes the judgment, the Bible says. So we either go to heaven with Christ or to hell alone. Death in Scripture, the word death means separation. Your spirit separates from your body. That, that's all death is. You separate from your body, you go to heaven. Paul told the Corinthians to be absent from the body for believers means to be present with the Lord. So you just go on to be with Christ. And, and guess what? You're very happy there if you're a believer. You're very happy in heaven. If you're not a believer, you would not be happy in heaven. You didn't love Jesus or want Jesus your whole life. Why would you want him now? No, but if you're a believer, you're very content to be in heaven. So death is separation. It separates people from each other, separates us from our life here on earth. It separates us from our bodies. But for Christians, there is this great promise of hope. And you know, Jesus understands the grief that people go through when they have loved ones who die. The Bible tells us in the shortest verse of the Bible, Jesus wept. In John eleven thirty five, I believe he was genuinely broken over the heartache 
that his friends whom he loved, Mary and Martha, were experiencing because of the death of their dear brother Lazarus. But see, Jesus had good news. He was going to bring Lazarus back. It wasn't the end for Lazarus. So Jesus understands. But, but fortunately for us, there is a place called heaven. And Christ even talked about that with his disciples in the last night he was with them. He said in John 14, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you that. And I go to prepare a place for you there. And if I go there to prepare you a place, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be. So in other words, Jesus is saying that there is a place called heaven and he's there fixing it up for us. And this was according to the Jewish custom of the day when a, a man would become engaged or betrothed to a young woman. She said yes, her dad said yes, and then he would go back to his father's house and add on a room or fix up a room. And once he was finished doing that, when at the appointed time, he would then return, usually unannounced, and snatch up his bride and take her to his father's house. And they would consummate the wedding and then they would spend seven days or, or longer celebrating this wedding fee. This is my kind of wedding right there, by the way. Seven days of celebrating. And the, the imagery is so beautiful. Jesus has left the earth. He has promised to come back and, and, and receive us unto himself through the event we know as the rapture. We do not know when that's going to happen. It will be unexpected, but we should expect it. And at the same time, when that happens, we're going to heaven. And we'll be with Christ. And we'll begin that experience of, of enjoying all that that perfect relationship with Jesus now involves. And then ultimately believe in the millennial kingdom, we'll have the marriage supper of the Lamb and others will be invited to participate in that. It's going to be a thousand year celebration in the millennial kingdom. I can't wait for that. It's going to be awesome. Jesus in charge and, you know, we're just there with him doing whatever he wants us to do and enjoying life like we had no idea while we we're here on earth. But there's a real place called heaven. Now there's a lot of inform misinformation about heaven these days from movies and and movies, and movies, and books. People telling you about <laughs> claiming they've been to heaven. Listen, if you've been to heaven, you, you would know it. Trust me. You didn't go to heaven and see rainbow ponies and sit in Jesus' lap and watch the devil over in the corner sniveling with moldy teeth and all these fantastical, ridiculous visions that people claim to have had gone to heaven. Paul, listen, Paul went to heaven. In 2 Corinthians 12, he was caught up in the third heaven. And what he saw there, he was forbidden to talk about. In fact, just to make sure he didn't talk about it, God gave him what he calls a thorn in the flesh. And we don't even know what that really was. But something, Paul said, to keep me humble from the glorious things and the truths that I saw and learned in heaven. So, don't trust people who claim to have been to heaven. You die, you go to be with Jesus. You don't come back and report. You know, some people say they've died and gone to hell. No, if you're a believer, you've not died and gone to hell. 
That's impossible because that's where the wrath of God abides. And there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You'll never experience a, a drop of God's wrath. But anyway, a lot of misinformation through movies and books and just people wishful thinking. Listen, St. Peter is not at the gate. You really think that that the spokesperson of the early church is demoted to a gatekeeper? I mean, think about that. He's, he's just a security guard, you know? He's just got this rent-a-cop uniform, and he's there, you know, checking to see if people are really Christians to get in heaven. It's, there is no St. Peter at the gate, okay? There's not even a gate right now, all right? That comes way way later on, the pearly gates, way later on. But there's no gatekeeper. You don't need a gatekeeper in heaven. God's the gatekeeper. If you've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you've believed in him as your Lord and Savior, you're in. You don't go through, like, security check. You don't, you know, take off your shoes and your belt when you get to heaven. It's not like the Apostle Paul is going to give you a pat down, you know, just to make sure you're, you're not carrying anything illegal in heaven. I mean, there are no knives, no weapons, that kind of thing, and no liquids over three ounces allowed in heaven. I mean, that, that's not the way it is. We don't become angels when we go to heaven. Did you know that? Aren't you glad about that? You're not going to sprout wings. Don't worry about that. You're not going to suddenly turn into this fat little baby sitting on a cloud playing a harp, you know, plucking this little stringed instrument. No, we don't become babies when we go to heaven. We retain everything that is true of who we are. And we know each other in heaven. That's the cool thing. You know, when, when Moses and Elijah appeared during the transfiguration uh, of Jesus, and um, the Bible says that the disciples, the ones who were there, they recognized these guys. They'd never known them before. They weren't like picture Bibles back in those days. It's, oh, this is, now if you ever see this guy, he's definitely Moses. No, they just automatically knew. Yeah, we're going to know each other in heaven. And, and by the way, there are no halos in heaven. Who made that up? That person needs to be slapped. I mean, halos, really? What, what's going on with that? So there's no halos in heaven. Nothing about that, the Bible says. So, and, and one final thing about heaven there. You know, heaven is not one long church service where we're, you're sitting out there, you know, in the pews, and you're just thinking, when is this going to be over? Are they going to sing one more song? No. Don't worry about it. Heaven is not a church service. Church services are something that we invented down here. Trust me, what you're exposed to in heaven, you never get tired of. What you enjoy in heaven, you never get tired of. So it's not going to be one long church service. Well, what do we know about heaven? Real quickly, there's a couple of things. And this so, so relates to us because it gives us something to look forward to. Number one, according to Jesus now, John 14, heaven's a real place. It's a real place. It's not a state of mind not some sort of metaphysical consciousness or some dream state or whatever, you know, sleep state, whatever. No, it's a real place. Now, we're there spiritually. How all that works, I don't know. Where is heaven? I don't know. It's a prepared place. So it's not just God just said, oh, goodness, honey, we've got guests. We've got to put them up. So No, the Trinity has been preparing this place for us. It's okay. They're ready for us. Revelation 21.4 says it's a place where there's no sadness and no tears. And I, and I really think that's one reason why, and there's no evidence of this, that people in heaven like peer over the balcony and watch us live our lives. How depressing would that be 
to watch us live, for some of us, really boring lives. For others of us, really sinful lives. For others of us, just very lukewarm, mediocre, you know, lives. No, they're not like watching us down here as if they're getting some like entertainment kicks out of watching some earthly TV program from heaven. But there's no sadness in heaven. There's no tears in heaven. Nobody's sad up there. But it is a place where earthly things seem trivial. Why? Because of what's in heaven. That's why. I mean, if you lived in a in a in some broken down trailer somewhere, you know, in in some lot in downtown Chicago, and you got a chance to go to the French Riviera for a month. Well, if you're at the French Riviera, you're not you're not really dwelling on the trailer. You're enjoying the French Riviera. By contrast, heaven is so amazing that stuff here on earth just doesn't count. I mean, you're not thinking about that. You're not thinking, oh man, I sure wish I could play some golf up here. Or, gosh, where's my iPhone? Don't they have iPhones in heaven? No, listen, heaven is so much better than what we have here. We don't have to worry about that stuff. The, the, everything about heaven. You know, the colors, the music, the the aromas, the understanding, the enjoyment, the laughter, the happiness, the satisfaction, the pleasure. It's all better there. It's a place where relationships are made perfect, finally. You know, you're not married in heaven. You and your wife, you and your husband, whatever. You say, well, God, that's kind of sad. No, it's not really sad. It's really actually better. Because in heaven, your relationship's finally perfect with that person. You never had a perfect relationship here, but you're going to get one in heaven. It's a place where there's no personal struggle with sin or with evil or with sickness or with pain. You never have to worry about being tempted or, or sinning or slipping up or backsliding or whatever you want to call it. None of that goes on in heaven. It's a place where ultimately our bodies are transformed. The Bible says that we're going to be given imperishable bodies, new glorified bodies. There'll be bodies like Jesus had when he rose from the dead. Bodies that'll be have the ability to do amazing supernatural things. Heaven is a real place prepared for real people by a real Savior. And it's everything we're looking for. It's everything we're looking for in terms of relationships and love and acceptance and importance and significance and community and belonging and perfection and completeness. Why? Because heaven is more than just a destination. It's a destiny. Heaven is not just a place. Heaven is a person. Now, what kind of God, what kind of God would prepare a place like this? I want to tell you something. It's the kind of God that Paul writes about in Romans when he says, but God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners running from him, full of ourselves, Christ still died for us, took the punishment and the payment of our penalty so that we could experience the amazing, amazing reality of heaven. And now God says, once you've made that faith decision in him, nothing will ever be able to separate you from his love, according to Romans 8, 31 through 39. So you see, death is really not the end for believers, but our ultimate enemy will be defeated 
and declawed one day because Christ did conquer death through his resurrection. And one day he'll resurrect us too. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this little side note here about death and really what God has planned for us. Hey, I'm going to see you on Monday. Take care. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.